Hi, my name is Jeremy Jensen, and I'm a public school educator in the Denver metro area. I'm on a quest, a quest to learn from as many educators out there as possible about the innovative approaches that are making learning authentic and meaningful. It's a very different world today than when our current education system was established, and I've been incredibly fortunate to have had opportunities to get to know some amazing educators who are working tirelessly to adapt to this new and evolving world. One common thread among these inspiring educators, I've come to find out, is their ability to balance both a passion to make progressive change with a humility and understanding that they don't have all the answers. Hence the name of this podcast, Humble Badass Educators. It's often easy to identify what's not working in our current education system, but it's a lot harder to figure out what changes really are having the most success. I invite you all to join me on this journey to hear about the secret sauce from the educators out there we're positively impacting our landscape. In fact, that's the point of this show, so that these ideas can hopefully be spread far and wide. Today's guest is Kristen Weedmeyer, the principal at the phenomenal William Smith High School in Aurora, Colorado. William Smith is an EL education school that focuses on challenging, adventurous, and meaningful learning experiences. They embed project-based learning, PBL, as a primary modality and a model that provides students with voice and choice in which highly engaging cross-curricular courses they take throughout their high school career. In our interview, Kristen describes the school's journey over the past 18 years of her time at the school and what led them to develop such an innovative model. She shares some of her thoughts about how teachers and students have found connection and a sense of family at the school and what conditions have made this so strong. Kristen also discusses how one of the most important components of her success at William Smith has lied in the collective mind and placing a high priority on trust in others. If you ever want to see an example of a truly transformative school that is making project-based learning truly work, check out William Smith. Thanks for tuning in to today's interview with Kristen Weedmeyer. Hi, Kristen. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, it's a nice little Labor Day weekend, so I'm going to enjoy the next extra day. Yes. Definitely. Um, Kristen, big question for you here um, as the intro question for this podcast. Tell the listeners about yourself. What makes you a badass and where does that intersect with humility? Gotcha. Um, my name is Kristen Weedmeyer. I am the principal at William Smith High School in Aurora. It is my, I am going into my 18th year at William Smith and my 18th year in education. Um, so I was a teacher there for 12 years and then assistant principal, and this is my second year as principal. Um, I, I think what makes me a badass, like it's really weird to say that about yourself, <laughs> but um, I think what makes me enjoy my job and feel like I'm doing something good for humanity and <laughs> doing my job well um, is that I don't try to problem solve things. I try to create what I want at my school and what I want for my staff and for my students. Um, and I think I try as much as possible to not get caught up in the traditional systems of things and structures of things um, and think about what is truly best for my students, um, what's truly best for my community and my families. Um, and I think you, you can't, you can't be a badass without other people, you know, you can't do it by yourself. So that's where the humility part comes in. Um, you know, without my staff, without my assistant principal, without 
um, you know, the people in the main office, without my families and community, without my district support, without my colleagues, like, you know, you can't, you can't do any of this by yourself. I'm in my second year as a principal. I don't, you know, I don't know many things <laughs> and I'm always having to ask, um, you know, my colleagues or my boss or whoever, you know, am I doing this right? <laughs> so I think, you know, not, um, not thinking that you, that you know everything or really anything um, and always seeking out the advice of other people and the ideas of other people is, you know, one of the most important things. Can't agree more. You know, I visited your school a few times now. Every time, every time that I visit, I walk away even more inspired, uh, just thinking more outside of the box. I'm so impressed with what you all are doing over at William Smith. Can you describe your school for the listeners and what your model looks like? Sure. Um, we are a public high school, part of Aurora Public Schools. Um, we are also an expeditionary learning and EL education school. So we're part of the EL Education National Network and we have been um, for 13 years. So that is really our foundation are the principles and guidelines of, of expeditionary learning, which is now um, EL. And you know, they were founded as part of that word found. So it's a lot of um, focus on community um, relationships and being as authentic as we can with our learning. So we've gone through many, many iterations over the years and trial and error and um, things like that. And I would say that, you know, we have landed on a project-based learning model. So for um, all of our kids, we don't have, you know, regular traditional classes or seven period high school day or things like that. Kids work on one or two projects at a time that they choose um, with guidance from their crew teacher who, and I'll, and I'll explain crew in a minute. Um, and from our counselor and things like that. Um, they work really in depth with one or two topics at a time, create a final product. Um, you know, so right now, you know, some of our projects are really focused on what's happening in the world around us right now. Um, so we have um, Hip Hop for Social Justice project where they're examining how music and the hip hop movement can influence, um, you know, all of the things that are happening. Um, in our world, we have um, your swimsuit pandemic body, which is a health class um, about how all of this is affecting your mental health and your physical health, um, you know, things like that. So we try to make it as relevant to our students as possible. Um, we also have crew as part of our curriculum. So crew um, is where students are with one teacher for the four years that they are at William Smith. They meet every day for about 30, 35 minutes. And we do all kinds of different things in crew. It's really about community building and relationship building and having that one adult that you see every day very consistently and that other small group of, of students that you see every day um, to really have that connection and have that person and those people that are safe with. Um, we do all kinds of things in crew. You know, we play games. We have like crew Olympics where you compete against other crews. We have, um, you know, days where we talk about current events, um, we kind of have a different focus every year. Last year was digital citizenship um, and things like that. So that's a big part of it also. Um, we do a lot of adventure um, and things outside of the building adventure and field work related to our projects. Um, so we start our school year usually, not this year, but usually in August um, where every student goes on an adventure trip or has some um, experiences outside of the building um, to kind of, again, 
form those relationships, form those bonds, and learn about things like perseverance. Um, you know, we can talk to kids about that kind of stuff, but until you're, you know, afraid of heights and you're staring up at the rock that you're supposed to climb, you don't really know what perseverance is. So we create those experiences in a safe way for students to have those um, challenges that, that they feel supported and then hopefully that bleeds into the classroom and they feel supported in the classroom. Um, we do a lot of field work with our projects. Um, you know, I always tell students with the internet nowadays and things like that, you can be places and see things, but you don't really learn about a people and a culture and a community unless you're there. And so when we have projects that are related to those kind of things, like um, we have a Native American studies project where we go um, to South Dakota and stay on the Pine Ridge Reservation for a week. Um, you know, you don't really understand the issues and things surrounding life on a reservation if you're not really there. Um, so we, we have that kind of philosophy about things too. I've got a lot of questions about that. Real quick though, how, do you, how are you able to fund all of these extra trips? Um, very carefully. <laughs> we, we do have the same um, you know, funding as any other public school. Um, we just are very intentional about um, where that money goes. And we, we are what's called a pilot school within Aurora Public Schools. So we do have certain autonomies. Um, so things like um, hiring schedule, calendar, and budget is part of that. So we just get a lump sum budget. And if the district adopts um, you know, a new math curriculum and we don't really follow the district curriculum, then we can take that money and, and use it for something else. So, you know, we don't buy textbooks. We don't spend a lot on um, that kind of money. Um, so we can kind of funnel that towards um, field work, adventure. And we do things very cheaply, <laughs> you know. Um, when we go to South Dakota, we drive there in the, in the MFVs, the MFSEVs that the district has. We stay, um, you know, at families' houses that have agreed to take us in. We eat spaghetti and rice and beans, you know, and on adventure trips, we're camping, you know, we do things as frugally as possible. We've been very fortunate to have a lot of um, equipment and materials donated um, for, you know, camping and things like that, and that we really rely on that a lot. Um, but it's just, it's, a, it's definitely about priorities and having a little bit of freedom there to designate money where you need it to be. Sounds like you guys are extremely innovative and smart about the funding and also the scheduling. Like I think for me, when I see the schedule, it's so different from what any other traditional high school that I have ever seen looks like. Can you kind of get into that a little bit more? How are you able to provide credits uh, to the students, like doing these integrated projects, um, so on and so forth? Sure. Um, I think that's it kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier about not, you know, problem solving with things and thinking about what do you want to create, you know? And so if you think about sometimes a more traditional high school experience is very siloed. And then you think about most jobs, um, you know, after you get out of college or whatever path you choose are not siloed at all. You know, I can't go to work every day and go into my office and be like, okay, I'm only gonna do math for an hour. And then the next hour, I'm going to, you know, write some emails. And then the next hour, I'm going to, you know, do a science experiment. I don't know, <laughs> you know. Um, you have to use all those skills all at once. And it has to be in a, um, 
a real environment. And so when we thought about our schedule, we kind of thought, how do we create as close of a work environment as we can for students? We know that it's still, you know, you're still in a school building. It's still somewhat artificial, but how can we be as real about it as possible? And so we kind of thought, you know, thinking about our jobs and it's like, usually I come to work and I have some task I need to complete that morning or that day. I have a project I'm working on that I need to get this far on it and things like that. And so that's kind of how we created our schedule is like, where do we can just have large chunks of time where students can get direct instruction, do small group work, work on building a product, work on writing an essay and get feedback, you know, and just have these uninterrupted um, groups of time. And so, you know, it's the same amount of time in a day that it would normally be. So that's how, you know, the credits still kind of work the same because it's still, you know, it's not like we're only going to school until noon or something like that. It's still a full day. They're still in class all day. They're actually in class because they don't have passing periods. They don't have off periods. Um, none of our students have that. So they're actually physically in front of a teacher a, a large portion of the day. And so um, most of our classes are, so there's multiple credits that can be um, in each project and multiple content areas. Um, so, it, you know, for three and a half hours, they're in a class, they may be getting math credit for that class and social studies credit or something like that so that, um, you know, we can fit everything into the four years that they need. So, so for I example, think, like, sorry to interrupt you, just for no. example, like your hip hop, um, hip hop class, how do, how do you assign credits to that class? That's an English class and a social studies class because um, those are the two teachers that developed a class and are teaching it. Um, so that right now, because of the, the system that we're in with uh, remote learning, they're in that class for four weeks all day. Um, so they have, you know, um, they get a full credit for that class because it's four weeks all day. So it's like a semester class really condensed into four weeks. Um, so they still get, you know, a full English credit like they would in a whole semester and a full social studies credit. Um, and then this semester, it's, there's four of those four-week blocks, so they still get as much credit as they would normally get in a semester. How did you all get there? How did you all um, kind of arrive at this sort of like more innovative approach? I, I know that you had mentioned before that your teachers were really inspired during those times where you kind of stopped um, the traditional day and were ultimately saying like, oh, why can't we just do this all the time? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was super fortunate to have two really great principals that I kind of grew up with at William Smith um, that were very innovative and always thinking about um, what best practices were and how we can do things. And so, um, you know, we, it's been a lot of trial and error. I mean, like 12, 13, 14 years of trial and error, you know, um, because we are small and I, I haven't mentioned that, you know, we're 365 kids. We are not like a giant cruise liner, you know, we're like a speedboat. We can, change the schedule one day and have a different one the next day, you know? Um, and we did that a lot. We've experimented with a lot of different kinds of schedules with teaming, with um, small teams, big teams, grade level teams, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but really what happened um, in EL education, they have a, a thing called intensives. So the idea is that you just have this really intense experience for a week on one topic. So we would do intensives, we did them for many years, in the spring and in the fall. And, you know, 
it would just be things of really high interest for those for the students. Um, you know, I did fashion design, I did cooking class, I did Harry Potter, I did um, film, I did all kinds of different intensives. You know, we had fencing class, we had um, dance class, we had, you know, just anything you could think of. We went on trips, we, um, I took kids to New York City, things like that. And we would always debrief on Fridays and, and they didn't get credit for these classes. Um, they didn't, you know, attendance wasn't required. It was always like the week before fall break or the week before spring break. And we would debrief on Fridays in the afternoon and be like, every single one of my kids showed up every day. This kid that I cannot get to do um, a problem in math class sat for a whole day and wrote a song, you know? And just always having those discussions of like, why can't it be like this all the time? Why can't we have this level of engagement um, why can't we have this attendance? Why can't we have this just fun, you know, while still learning something? And then finally, you know, after probably, I don't know, six or seven years of doing intensives, um, one of our like more veteran teachers just finally was like, we keep having these discussions. Why can't we figure out a way to make this be our school, to make this be our curriculum and have it be rigorous? and um, you know academically challenging and all of that and also relevant and engaging and interesting for the kids so that was really when we started like okay we're gonna do this you know and that was in the fall and, and we spent that year kind of experimenting with little um, you know projects for two weeks and then four weeks and then six weeks and with pairs of teachers doing it together, sharing a group of kids and just kind of dipping our toes into it with the more academic mindset. Um, and then the next school year had um, the like, like similar to what we have now. We started out with doing shorter project blocks and just kind of figured out that it wasn't enough time. Um, so we don't really have the shorter ones anymore. We have four and eight, eight week ones now. Um, so that's kind of how we got there. But it was, it takes a long time. Um, and it takes a long time for teachers to change their mindset. Um, and it takes a long time for kids to adjust to it. You know, it's not what they're used to. Um, but we were really fortunate, you know, with the support of the school district and the support of, of all of those people to just kind of be like, try it, you know, see what happens. And that, that was really helpful and important for sure. That's awesome that you have the level of support um, to be able to like make something so different, you know, work. Um, how often do your teachers co-plan? Are they, are they constantly co-teaching together? Are they kind of required to co-teach together? How do they come up with the projects that they are um, providing as an option for the students to take? Um, they don't have to co-teach. Um, a, a lot of them choose to just because it's, it's, more interesting, you know, when there's more than one of them, but not everybody does all the time. And um, so some people do do a solo um, just English project or we're, we're fortunate to have quite a few teachers that are certified, highly qualified in many different content areas. Um, so even if it's one teacher, they can still provide multiple contents for them. Um, but we don't really give a huge amount of guidance. We'll say things like, um, 
you know, we need to make sure we have a U.S. history project this semester because I've got some seniors who need U.S. history credit. We need to make sure we offer foreign language this semester, um, you know, and just kind of guidance like that. Um, but we don't offer a ton. And when you give teachers that freedom to create and do something that they love, they totally step up to the plate. You have to trust them that they know what's best for the kids. They know their content. They know what needs to get covered. Um, and they can do it in a, a really interesting way. Um, so we don't give them a ton of guidance, you know. They have to um, turn in project plans and things like that. And we look them over and make sure that standards are covered and enough content is covered and all, you know, that there's good, rigorous, grade level material happening and things like that. Um, but we don't, you know, pair them up. They, they do that very organically on their own. We have a project pitch day where teachers come with their ideas for projects and, um, you know, we do it several different ways. We do gallery walks, we do speed dating or things like that. And that's kind of how they start to talk to each other about the different ideas and different projects and make those pairings. Um, after we had quite a like catalog of projects that we've done, I had, I did have to kind of step in and be like, you, you can't keep doing new projects all the time just because it's not sustainable. I know you have wonderful ideas and they're great ideas, but it takes a lot to plan these projects and to keep trying to do new ones all the time is just not sustainable. Um, so like last semester in the spring, we, like I told people, you can only do one new project. You have to repeat. And there's value in repeating the projects because you get better at it every time, you know? And then some of them are not cheap. <laughs> you know, we have a class where um, the kids make chocolate and all of that, all of those materials are expensive. You know, we had to buy these special grinding machines and things like that. And so with projects like that, until I tell them you, you, in order to make it worth the money, <laughs> you have to do it every semester, you know? Um, but it doesn't actually have to be the same teacher every semester either, just that class. So I, that, that kind of surprised me um, because it, is, it takes so much effort to plan these. It's such a different way of planning and teaching um, that I had to be like, stop, <laughs> you know? Um, like for your own sake do some repeating projects and, and just give yourself a break for a minute, you know, but they, my staff is so amazing and they just have such great ideas and are so enthusiastic about it, um, which is great. It's a good problem to have <laughs> for sure. You mentioned that it's taken a while to get there. I, what do your teachers currently say about the school, um, about working there? You have a very low turnover, I understand. Um, how, how did, how were you able to get to that point? Well, I think it's what I said before of like trusting your teachers and knowing that um, you don't have to give them a pacing guide and curriculum that they have to follow. You know, you, yes, you need to be aligned. You need to be standards aligned. You need to make sure grade level things are happening. You need to make sure that, you know, kids are learning what they're supposed to be learning at a rigorous level. Um, but giving teachers the, the creativity and the space to do that um, just, if, and they, they get to teach something that they love, you know, like my English teacher that does the hip hop class, like, that's his passion, that's his passion, you know, and he gets to share that passion with the kids, so that enthusiasm comes across, and it makes them happy to come to work every day, and it make, and the kids feed off of that, you know, they feed off that energy, so 
there's a there's a TED talk called How I Made the Impossible Film. And it and it talks about this guy who made a, a sci-fi movie for like a really low budget. And he kind of he needed, you know, an editor and a CGI guy and all of this stuff and asked all these super famous people to do it for like no money. And they all agreed because they understood his vision and they felt, you know, that they could be super creative and think outside the box and have a lot of freedom. And I think it's kind of the same thing with the with teachers, you know, they, they want that freedom, they want to be creative. It's hard, you know, and you have to recognize that. And we spent a couple of years where we didn't really do, um, you know, all the PD time we had was about planning, was about how to plan these projects, how to execute these projects, you know, giving them guidance, doing coaching, you know, all of that stuff. Um, so they felt supported in it too, because it is, it's, it's hard, you know? Um, and so I think that, I think that's one of the reasons we don't have a lot of turnover. Um, I think another reason is, is our hiring. Um, you know, some, some teachers would not like our school, would not like that level of freedom, would, would not like, you know, they just need a structure and they need consistency and we are, do not have <laughs> consistency. Um, so I think it's hiring people who thrive in that environment. Um, we partner with the Betcher Teacher Residency Program. So mo a lot of the hires that we have made in the past several years are people that were at our school for a year as a resident, and then we hire them on, you know, as full-time staff. So they know what they're getting into, we know them, you know, and because I think hiring is a big, a big part of that in a school that's so different. How about your students? Um, thinking about another demographic at your school, what do your students say about the school? It's, it's so different for the kids, you know? Um, they describe it as, you know, it's, it's their family. They feel so connected to the school. They, so, they feel so connected to the other kids and to the teachers. You know, they, they talk a lot about how accepting of a place it is, you know, that they can really be themselves, be a nerd, you know, be whatever they are and don't have to put on this like social front to be accepted. You know, we have every kind of kid at our school. We're an open enrollment school, so we're not neighborhood. We, we do admissions by a random lottery. So we have kids from all over Aurora Public Schools. Um, and they, it takes, we have a really intense ninth grade induction for about a month. Um, and it takes time to kind of get them on board and realize um, how things are different here and how we operate, but once they do, they are, they are bought in, you know, um, they appreciate what, what, they appreciate the style and how they're learning things. They know it's different, you know, and they can articulate things about how they apply everything that they learn. There's a reason they learn everything they learn. They know what that is, you know, but I think the biggest thing for the kids is just feeling connected to a school, feeling connected to each other and to the adults um, and feeling like it's a, it's a real community um, where they know everybody, where they feel safe, they feel comfortable. They want to come to school every day. You know, we have a 98% daily attendance. We have a 95% graduation rate. You know, they, they don't think of it as school. Um, 
they think of it as, as their family, their home, you know. How about student leadership? Um, do you provide opportunities for students to guide each other? We do. That's definitely something that we are working also, working on um, having more student voice and more opportunities for that. So we have a couple of programs. We have um, our leadership program that we've had for a while that's called Rudder. Um, with expeditionary learning, you know, being connected to Outward Bound, like everything has a boat theme. <laughs> so, you know, crew, Rudder, like all that stuff. Um, and so they are um, usually about 12 kids who um, apply in their junior year to be part of this leadership program. And they do um, a lot of the induction program with our ninth grade. They lead the activities and the team building. They connect with small groups of ninth graders and are kind of that like liaison with the older kids. Um, they do tons of service work. They lead our community meetings that we have as a school. Um, but it's a pretty small group. So, you know, we've talked about how do we involve more kids. Um, so the last couple of years, we've got this ambassador program um, that kids can be a part of, and that's any grade level and anybody that wants to do it. And so they have a um, couple of different sort of duties. Um, so they help with middle school recruitment because we are open enrollment. We draw from all over the district. We make sure that we go to all the eighth grade classrooms in the district and just kind of explain our program and that they can apply if they want. So the um, ambassadors help with that, going to the classrooms and talking to the eighth graders. Um, we get a lot of visitors. Um, I think last year, um, you know, it's like 300 plus people. We host site seminars, we host conferences. So the ambassadors help with all of that. They give tours, they meet with our visitors, they, they are on student panels, um, all of that. And then we really wanted to be intentional about our ninth grade. So this year we hired a part-time student engagement advocate um, that's really gonna work with our ninth graders and leadership. Um, and so that's a new, a new thing that we're starting this year too, because we wanna include student voice in, in everything. You know, we, we have a um, equity leadership team this year that has two students on it. Um, you know, we wanna include them in sort of traditionally, you know, staff, um, committees and teams and things like that or include them in the hiring of staff or the bringing in of new students you know all of those things and we just we haven't quite got there yet but that's you know goals that we have great intentionality there um it's you've created such a culture that any student that I've actually really ever talked to at your school has always like kind of glowed about the the school itself about their connection to their teachers about their connection to other people so um, whatever you're doing, whatever your, your magic is there, um, keep it up. And, and I don't want to give like a false illusion either because it's not all like fantastic rainbows and unicorns all the time either, you know, like there are kids that struggle in this environment, just like there would be teachers that don't, um, don't do well in it. There's kids that it takes most of their ninth grade year to kind of like bring them in the fold and, and work with them and stuff. Um, so it's not, not everybody loves it all the time, you know, um, but it's just, I think all of my staff and myself and the assistant principal just have this mindset of, it just hasn't happened yet. You know, we're working with them, we're figuring it out. Um, but it, it's a handful of kids, you know, so I just don't want to leave it with like, everything's great all the time. <laughs> No, absolutely. Even it, is. <laughs> <laughs> it would be very weird if everybody jumped yeah. on board and all of a sudden was, you know, right. 
doing excelling and all the things. Um, I want to ask about the other end, I guess, of that student spectrum. So the um, after they're ninth graders, like you've talked already about how you support them and how you, you induct them. Um, once they're ready to graduate, um, you have sort of a structure in place where students are able to defend their learning and go through this process. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, um, we have for ninth, 10th and 11th grade, um, every year they do two presentations of learning. So in December, they do um, a presentation around our habits of excellence, which um, are four areas that we've identified that um, to have our students really work on as far as character growth. And so it's um, engagement in thinking and learning, um, responsibility, time management, and community and self-awareness. So in December, they do a presentation where they basically have to prove using evidence from a class that they have um, excelled in one of the one of those four areas and then show in one of those four areas that they are still working on um, with evidence from their classes. Then in May, we do what's called academic conversations. And those are, um, so the ones in December are with their crew. So they present to their crew and another crew, like they're paired together. So they're presenting to like a, a room full of kids um, and adults and they can invite their families and, and that kind of stuff. In, in uh, May, it's a little bit more intense as far as like the scrutiny on them <laughs> a little bit. Um, so it's usually just the kid and then two or three uh, adults of some kind. So they could be teachers or myself or um, a community member or somebody from the school district or, um, you know, just someone that's connected to the school. And they have about 45 minutes um, where they have a, a list of questions that they have to answer that are basically justifying the growth they've made that school year, both academically and personally. So they have to work through um, using evidence from their classes, things that they've really worked on and improved at and feel like, you know, they're really at a solid three or four. And then also be pretty vulnerable and talk about things that they struggle with still, what support and identify what support they might need and goals for the next year. Um, our seniors do um, their senior expedition. So that's a passion project that they start working on in August and they can pick um, really a pretty broad variety of topics. It can be a hobby that they like, it can be a career that they're interested in pursuing. We have a large number of students who go to Pickens Technical College. It could be about, you know, what they're learning at Pickens, um, you know, auto tech, cosmetology, culinary, you know, whatever. Um, and they do a research paper and they have, um, you know, they make a budget and they have to do, um, you know, connect with an expert in the field, all of that kind of stuff. And then they present their senior expedition at a um, community night to all their families, the whole senior class, the whole school. Um, and they have to kind of, it's like, it's a little bit of a science fair style type of thing. Um, so people come visit the different projects. If there's performances, we have those happening and they can ask questions and the kids have to explain kind of what they've learned, what their project is, and, and all of that. So that's where seniors focus a lot. You mentioned earlier that you are part of the Expeditionary Learning EL um, system. 
but not all expeditionary learning schools look the same. Are there certain components and things that you're sort of like sign up for when you are an EL school? How much freedom do you actually have? Um, how, do, how do the different schools compare? Yeah, that's, I think one of the things that attracted us to EL from the very beginning is it's not this like programmatic manual of here, do this, you know, every EL, especially the high schools are different, you know, but they all have this common thread of um, community, culture, crew, and relevancy, you know, so when you look at, um, there's design principles in, in EL, um, and those are really like your guiding you know, your North Star. So it's things about high quality work, um, community and culture, um, you know, relationship with the outside world, you know, all of that stuff. So it really is these, these, you know, the skeleton framework of here's the mindset that we have as an EL education school. Here's how we are going to build everything around these principles. And then you have a school designer that works with you. So they kind of make sure that those you make and, and the moves you make as a school are still aligned with, um, you know, what EL education does. But I've never had someone from EL be like, you know, you're doing this wrong or anything like that. You know, they're very supportive and they're very much want you to to be different and to, um, you know, do what's best for your kids and your staff. You know, they're a, a nationwide network. So, you know, a school in Aurora, Colorado, a very different student population than you know a, a rural school in California or something like that so they really want you to to develop based on these principles what works for your school and what works for your staff um, and then you can have different institutes and PD opportunities that you can send your staff to you know they have a national conference they're very student-centered they always want um, students to pre be present at national conference to to really lead lead the way with all of that. Um, so, like I said before, you know they really are the basis of all of this, the foundation of it. You know, but what you build from that is, you know, there's a EL elementary school down the street from us in Aurora, and you know even they're different than we are, and they're you know so it's just what works for you. Kind of like what you're trying to, what you're doing at the school, right? Like right. providing freedom, voice, choice for your teachers. They provide the same sort of like level of support and structure um, or freedom for you all as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Kristen, tell, tell the listeners about your best failure. <laughs> oh, well, you know, being as I'm entering my second year as principal, I've had a lot of those last year. Um, so, you know, let's, let's pick one. Um, <laughs> I think my, oh gosh, my best failure. I don't know if it was like one particular thing, but I think um, a mindset that I had or a thought in my head that I had going into the, to my first year as principal was, and I think this is easy for people to do of like, you've been thinking for years about what you would do when it's you, you know, and like, well, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this and like just trying to do too much, you know, um, trying to ch like change too many things with the staff, um, just as far as like what our focus is going to be, um, you know, what systems we're going to do now, we're going to do interims and we're going to have this coaching model and, you know, like all of this stuff. And um, 
I think like pretty early on, you know, we had to definitely take a step back and be like, okay, what are like two things that we really need to get better at and implement? And I think just, I definitely tried to do too much and I was like not feeling successful and feeling really overwhelmed. And I'm sure my staff was, you know, um, and just having that, like talking to my assistant principal and just having that moment of like, I have got to like, slow it down, you know? Um, I think that was really good because it just taught me a lot about um, focus and, you know, not trying to do too many things at once and not having the staff feel overwhelmed or myself, like for my own sanity, feel overwhelmed and trying to do too much. Um, that was probably the thing that's most on the top of my head. I had lots of failures before that too, but <laughs> just thinking about that one. And then I think in like, I, I definitely did not feel successful last spring when, and I don't know if anybody did, but like when all of this happened and we had to switch to remote and my school district was awesome and had such good supports and such a good mindset about it. And it's about, you know, safety of our families first and all of that. But I just felt like nobody learned anything for like two months, you know, and that's hard when that's your job to make sure these kids are learning and being successful. But, you know, that was, that was hard. <laughs> I think it's better. It's definitely going better this fall. Yeah. I think everyone's had a little bit of time now to reflect and, you know, pivot and make some of the, the right moves at the time. It felt about, it felt like it was more about survival. It was yeah. about, like just jumping into the deep end and trying mm -hmm. to totally different than what we thought about how to make work. Yeah. It was definitely like a triage thing in the spring, you know, and that I don't think ever really feels good, nope. so, but it feels better now. Kristen, what big advice do you have for other humble badass educators? <sighs> Take advantage of the people around you, you know, in a good way, <laughs> not in a bad way, but like the collective mind is so much better than just yours, you know, um, like pick good people around you that are smarter than you and that can be self-sufficient. And like, I, I don't know what I would do with, without my assistant principal, you know? She's like amazing and she's been at the school a long time too. And she's my sounding board. She's, you know, all, all of that stuff and my, and my staff, you know? Like they, you have to surround yourself with people that um, just are collaborative and can can support each other and support you. I think that's my biggest advice is, yeah, find good people around you to help. That's really wonderful advice. Um, I have learned a lot from you. Um, I am inspired by you. Thank you for being a badass. Thank you for being innovative. Thank you for really pushing forward with, you know, making sure that our students are um, the center point of all decisions that are made because I really respect the things that you guys have going on at William Smith. Um, I want to encourage any listeners out there to reach out and visit William Smith. Uh, they're doing some amazing things and hopefully um, you've learned a few of the things from this podcast, but you have to, um, seeing is believing and <laughs> seeing it in real action um, is evidence because there's so few um, examples out there, I think, of schools that are really doing the type of work that you're doing. Thank you, Jeremy, and thanks for doing this podcast. I think it's awesome to try to give voice to people and resources to people. Like, you know, anybody wants 
once it's safe to do so, who wants to come visit, or even if you just want to chat and reach out to me, um, I'm more than happy to, to share ideas or just be a sounding board or anything. Thank you so much, Kristen. It was awesome connecting and hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you for tuning in to Humble Badass Educators. Again, the biggest goal of this podcast is to share the transformative ideas of what can work in the world of education. So if you enjoyed listening, please take a minute to share a link to this episode with someone you think may also be interested in hearing these ideas. If you or someone you know is also a humble badass educator, I'd love to hear from you as I continue my quest in learning about the amazing things that are happening out there right now. Know that the term educator is not just school-based. An educator is anyone that helps another person learn. Until next time, this has been Jeremy Jensen with Humble Badass Educators. Thanks for listening.